0: listening to the Paul McGuire Report. on Paul McGuire. On today's program, I want to talk about recent breakthrough scientific discoveries, actually scientific and technological discoveries that have happened incrementally over the last 70 years. And let's just say in the last 25 years or so, they have exploded. The number of breakthrough scientific discoveries that the public is almost completely unaware of, is staggering. And it impacts every facet of our lives collectively, and it impacts every facet of our life individually or in a family or whatever. Now, to not know about these scientific discoveries, to not know about certain things that are affordable to you, that are accessible to you, uh, in terms of they could be purchased as products uh, or things like that at a very, very minimal cost. But many, many times, these breakthrough discoveries that I'm talking about, the the cost of, of acquisition is like nothing. It might require some time on your part to study, read, research. Yeah, it may cost you some time. You may have to read. You may have to research. You may have to learn how to use these free Sciences and free technologies to benefit you and people you know so that they don't die prematurely, so that they live the proper amount of time, so that they can benefit by having wisdom and guidance, so that they know what to do. When the masses of people are panicking and they're going berserk, um, you and the people you know don't have to be among the masses of people. That are in the process of going berserk because you have knowledge which gives you power, power over what most people would would falsely call circumstances. But you and I know that these are not mere happen chance circumstances. These are forces and powers that can be strategically overcome by you. Yeah, you know, I don't care what your educational level is. I don't care what you have or don't have in the bank account. I don't care whatever however the world determines or measures assets, and uh, part of measuring assets properly is to measure the amount of knowledge important knowledge that a person has because knowledge brings with it power, and power brings with it the ability to generate or make wealth. That is a biblical teaching by the way that's a paraphrase of an exact verse in the Bible. It's the Lord who gives you the power to get wealth so the world system merely looks at, you know, your, your profit and loss sheets, your, your balance sheets in the sense of an accounting analysis. That's a very misleading and, and two-dimensional uh, evaluation of how much power or money and wealth you have, because it ignores the most important assets that you already have in terms of generating wealth and power. And, and this isn't like, you know, some esoteric, mystical, crazy talk. I'm talking about reality and how when you know what to do and when to do certain things and you know about the availability of certain things, when you step out and intelligently and strategically utilize the knowledge that God has deliberately placed in your path. when I always tell people when I'm speaking, you know, about a particular truth, I look them in the eye and I say to them, you know, you got to own that truth. It's not enough for you to know about the truth or, you know, play around with the truth. That truth will only do you good to the degree that you stop playing with the truth. And And the moment you stop playing with the truth and the moment you decide to own the truth, to like possess it, to really own it, it will unleash and release a force of deliverance of protection, of prosperity, of all kinds of tangible, real-world necessities that determine whether or not you, your loved ones, your family, your nation, or whatever, is going to survive, or whether or not you, your family, and your loved ones are going to go down. And when I say you're going to go down, I'm talking about going down in terms of hard, like crashing. And when you crash, you shatter in pieces. And when you shatter in pieces, you are destroyed. The unseen enemy, and we all know who the unseen enemy is, at least most of us do, the unseen enemy has momentarily triumphed over you. But that doesn't have to be your permanent zip code. You can live in a place of victory if you will simply stop playing with the truth and decide to own the truth. And when you own the truth, you, you enter a crossover moment. That's what I was talking about the other day on the Paul McGuire Report. It was one thing for God's children uh, who were slaving away in captivity uh, under what I call the Pharaoh-God-King system, because the Pharaoh-God-King system is just as much alive and well today as it was back in the time of the ancient Pharaoh-God-King system where the Pharaoh, who who was worshipped as a god by not only the Egyptian people, but sadly to say, the Pharaoh was worshipped as a god uh, on a regular basis by not only the Egyptian people, but by the biblical God's people, the children of God, also regularly engaged in backsliding, and they made the god of Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt their gods. And then, of course, you know what happens. All hell breaks loose. And and the judgment of God and the wrath of God and the warnings of God began to come back on the, the children of Israel when they were slaves in captivity. And as I've been sharing with you regularly, and, and I talk in deep detail, but fast-moving truth In the books that I've named before you, which you need to get at PaulMaguire.us, I talk in deep detail, but fast moving and yes, entertaining detail, about how it's possible for you to no longer be a slave, even if you are temporarily residing in Egypt, which represents the world system, and the world system of Egypt is ruled by the temporary god of this world, whose name is Lucifer, or Satan. And Lucifer, or Satan, is the temporary god of this present world system, and that's a, a biblical truth. So, when you own the truth, you then, ha- you then have the power to be set free from the horrible toils of, of the Egyptian pharaoh god-king system. And when you look throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you will see a repetitive truth that God keeps bringing before our eyes. And it's repetitive, not because God is a bore and he he can't think of more to say in a creative way. That's not the God that exists. But the God that exists repeats this truth over and over again because he's going back into the history of mankind and he's picking out situations where his people were in captivity, where his people were uh, serving as slaves, where his people were subjugated and overcome and conquered. And then God teaches us in his Word exactly what God's people did that got them in the mess to begin with. And then God also teaches us from the Word of God exactly what God taught his people through the law or the word of God. And God shows us how they could have avoided the slavery, the captivity, the nightmare of their life. They could have avoided all of it if they had simply obeyed God, obeyed the law of God. And if they had done those simple things that God requested, God would have supernaturally uh, delivered them beforehand. So before they became slaves, in the Pharaoh-God-King system, or the world system, before they entered into captivity or slavery, God taught them principles, supernatural principles, that if they would decide to obey those supernatural principles, they would have been delivered from slavery and captivity before it even started. And God keeps repeating certain time periods in human history, where God's people are warned by the prophets, uh, and then God's people are instructed by God's leaders about how to avoid going into captivity and slavery. And so, so God, in his deep love for mankind, is continually offering mankind and his people a way out, a way of deliverance, so that they don't have to go into slavery in the first place. But because they're in the business of rebelling from God, like the American church and much of the church in the world today, if if you look at the condition, the spiritual condition of the church in America today, the overwhelming majority, the overwhelming percentage of God's people today have ignored God's warnings, God's precepts, principles, God's teachings, for decade after decade, so now, when the you know what hits the fan and i don't don't get offended because I didn't say anything. If you happen to know what it is that hits the fan, then don't blame me if you're offended, blame yourself because you thought the thought before I even finished saying the <laughs> i didn't even say the word, but you already knew what I was going to say, so don't blame me, it's on you so now, America is like a speeding car. And and the computer instruments on the front panel of the car are indicating that we're headed for a ma- massive crash on multiple levels. And there is more danger and the potential of danger happening in our world now than in any time period that I know about through historical research or any uh, time period in the past we we have been warned for decade after decade that we needed to immediately change our belief system <clears throat> our theology we need to immediately change the god or gods we have been worshipping and had we done <clears throat> those things such as hearkening diligently unto the voice of the lord thy god had we done those things god would have delivered us from the captivity that is forming all around us. And even at this late moment where God has the power to supernaturally deliver us, his people, from incredible captivity, slavery, and disaster, even in the final moments as as the jail cells materialize before our eyes, because because the truth of the matter is, it is you and I and those that preceded us we are the ones that have rebelled from God, rebelled from His word, and as you sow so shall you reap, so the evidence of the captivity to those people whose eyes are open, the evidence is is vividly it can vividly and and with great clarity it can be seen forming all around us. Anyone who says we weren't warned, anyone who says well." well we didn't know this was happening or anyone who says that i can't believe that this is happening or the many of the other phrases that go along with like this this denial thing anybody who says that is lying to themselves and they are lying to god because the the prison cells of massive captivity are being built right in front of us and anybody who uses a mere fraction of their brain power knows what is going to happen soon and there may be you know multiple choices uh, or multiple potentials of what's going to happen soon and so if it, it may not be this potential it may be that potential but the point is a a dangerous percentage of the pet, uh, potentials are going to happen they're going to materialize why because it's a no brainer why because Anyone who uses a minimal amount of their God given human intelligence can figure out from the the pathways that we're going in in the present moment. We all know, either intuitively or by the Spirit of God or by using our common sense or by understanding history, we all know, every single one of us knows in our gut, in our mind, we know that we are uh, fast moving into the danger zone. And that this danger zone is going to trigger the switch which God has warned us about uh, decade after decade for hundreds of years and thousands of years. God has warned us about the time that we're in and what goes down in the time that we're in because he has taught us these lessons in his word such as the lesson of captivity and slavery and the pharaoh-god-king system. And that is whenever God's people, whenever the ancient Jews would start worshiping pharaoh as God, whenever they would worship the Egyptian world system, or what I call the pharaoh-god-king system, whenever they would go down that path, what would happen 100% of the time is that God's people would be stripped of all their freedoms and then there would be an acceleration of the stripping of all their freedoms. And finally, there would be the point where they would enter into captivity or slavery. And instead of being free men and women that God created them to be, they became slaves who, who made a living through the, through the agonizing toil and sweat of their backs in in the pharaoh god king system which by the way perhaps the most notice, noticeable feature of the pharaoh god king system was and is that it is a system of slavery and it is designed to incrementally increase the unfairness of the slavery the pain of the slavery and the agony of the slavery is constantly increasing growing and getting worse and worse. It's 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 like an ever increasing torment until it becomes absolutely intolerable. And you say, "Well, why would a loving God do that?" A loving God didn't do that. That is the collective choice of God's people when they collectively chose to rebel against God, the biblical God, and his principles and his word. And that's where we are in the United States of America. The truth that you the, the truth that is that is never spoken This truth, that is literally a deafening roar coming from the churches, the the pulpits, and, and the larger percentage of Christian leaders and ministers. The truth that that we can hear as a deafening roar of silence, because it's something never spoken, is this biblical truth, and it's the simple truth that whenever God's people in history turned from worshiping the true God, the God of the Bible. Whenever they they stopped worshiping the God of the Bible and biblical truth, whenever they rejected God and then began to worship the, the Pharaoh God King system, then they began to worship the Pharaoh or Satan, and then they began to worship the world system and look to the world system to supply. They looked to the world system to meet all their needs and to supply everything that they needed. So to put that even even more simply the great sin of God's people throughout the ages is the the constant times where God's people would reject the truth of his word and exchange it for a lie the constant times when God's people would rebel from God would rebel from God and his word and then even in a more egregious state of sin God's people would choose to to worship Lucifer or Satan and this world system which is also Egypt. God's people would worship Egypt and this present world system and they would look to this present world system for everything they needed for their sustenance, for their supply, for their food, for their protection. In other words, they God's people would look to the world system, and they would look to Pharaoh to be their God. And so what that means, in essence, is that they made the choice, God's people made the choice to exchange the worship of the true God with the worship of the false God. And so we we are seeing the final expression of that catharsis, and it is happening in our lifetime. And if you want to know the, the evidence, if you're seeking evidence regarding the truthfulness of what I am saying to you, I would also say to you that there is 100% evidence available to you and to anybody who inquires. There exists 100% evidence that will confirm that what I am saying is the truth. And when you know that it's the truth, and when you know that it's been confirmed, you then also will understand without a shadow of a doubt exactly and precisely what is coming to our nation and our society, to you, to me, to our children and grandchildren, should the Lord Jesus Christ tarry. We, We know, we have been given by God a preview of what is going to happen. So let's spell it out. Ask yourself the question during the recent COVID crisis, during the the recent major crisis events that have hit America in various ways, look at the degradation and the deterioration of the quality of life in America since the time. Let's just take one time period. Let's measure the time period. When the Ten Commandments and prayer was taken out of the school system, the school systems of America, and let's use that as a reference point where we could reasonably say that that time period just happened to also be the time period where God's people began to turn away from God as being God by the millions and millions and began to worship this this present world system and our political leaders as gods or messiahs and saviors. So we could generally say that, that the time period, the approximate or general time period where we made this decision as the so-called children of God uh, occurred between the 1950s and mid-1960s or late 1960s. It was in that time period that Prayer was ripped out of the schools, and that the Ten Commandments were ripped out of the school system. That was a symbolic act which represented a complete rebellion. God isn't seeking to punish the wicked for being wicked in doing those things. The person or group or people that God holds directly responsible for the Ten Commandments, his laws, being ripped out of the classrooms of America, the people or groups of people who organized to uh, get rid of the Ten Commandments and to take prayer out of schools—all of this, which occurred between the 1950s and the latter part of the 1960s—the um, the culprit, the, the the people group who God holds the most guilty for those actions, would be. The people group and people who claim to be God's people, who claim to be Bible believing Christians or evangelical Christians, because they are the ones who claim to know the truth. And since they claim to know the truth, their judgment is based on a higher standard than the ordinary person who doesn't even claim to know God or, or cl- they don't even claim to be born again. So it is due to the apathy and to the rebellion of God's people individually and collectively, which allowed those people who hate God to rip and destroy the Ten Commandments out of the school systems and rip and destroy the um, uh, freedom to pray in our schools. They, 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 They got away with it because there was no opposition. There was nobody to stand in the gap. Those that called them Christians, themselves Christians, refused to stand up for the things of God. They refused to be publicly identified with God, and so since they committed the sin of essentially rolling over and surrendering to the enemies of God, and the only reason they did that is because God's people had already begun to worship the false gods of the world system. How many of God's people began to look at big government as as God, the supplier of all our needs, our food, our protection, our clothing, the source of all our freedoms? Unmistakably, God's people, by the millions, including the churches and the seminaries and the ministries and, and the Bible studies, an alarming percentage of them rebelled against the call of God. They rebelled against their personal accountability before God to stand up for the things of God. And it is, it is, when you say you worship God, the evidence for your claim that you worship God is the reality of your willingness to stand up and oppose the things that are causing the attacks on God, the Ten Commandments, God's morals, God the freedom to pray in the public schools, the freedom of religion. First, there is the rebellion of God's people from God. And then there is the the, uh, fact that it is God's people who then begin to worship false gods. And this opens the doorways in the spiritual realm for demonic powers that are energizing the wicked to come into our society And tear out the Ten Commandments and tear out um, the freedom to pray and the freedom to talk about Christ and the Bible, all of which has already happened in our society with little or no resistance. So, if the proper measurement of authentic worship to the Lord Jesus Christ is evidenced by the following behavior a person who claims to be worshiping the true God, the biblical God, will inevitably exhibit this evidence in their lives, which proves that they are indeed worshipers of the true God and followers of the true God. Because if they are, they will exhibit evidence, and that evidence is the fact that they will put their faith into action, and they will stand up for the things of God, at every spiritual battlefront in a law abiding and peaceful way, they will take a stand for God and they will not allow the name of their God, the Lord Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to be used only in our school systems as a profanity, to be used only to stomp upon in childlike rebellion. The, a true worshiper of God would never allow that. A counterfeit worshiper of God does allow that. And that is the reason. That we are in the crisis point that we really are in. It's not a hallucination, it's a reality check. So wake up. We all are responsible before God and we need to wake up to our reality check because reality tells us something else that it is not going to begin and end with what has already happened. It's not going to begin nor will it end with what has already happened. History shows us that the incremental Antichrist revolution, which we have seen occur in many nations like communist Russia and communist China and um, uh, the French Revolution and on and on and on. We have seen historical evidence which shows us exactly what is going to happen next. It does not end or begin with what has already come. So let me give you a very vivid example of what is happening right now at this second, or I will say at this nanosecond, I'm going to give you two examples that will prove to you, that will provide to you 100% evidence for what is going to happen next. And I'm going to provide you with 100% evidence of what is going to energize and cause what is about to happen to come next. So nobody has any excuse and can say the ridiculous and absurd excuse of, well, I didn't know what was going to happen. Well, you should know that it's going to happen because you've been given concrete evidence as to what is going to happen. So let's examine two phenomena that is exploding in our society right now at this nanosecond. Number one, in schools all over America, if you bother to dig, investigate, and and look behind the lies, you can see with your own eyes—not that you want to—but you may have a moral accountability to do so, as as repugnant as it may seem. Your children, beginning in first grade, and continuing on to at least ninth grade, is currently being exposed to the most ultra graphic triple X-rated videos, lifelike, high-resolution videos, photographs, pictures, written descriptions, uh, uh, guest lecturers, uh, uh, guest experts that come into the classroom and and function as actors and actresses and actually uh, uh, simulate real-life real life expressions of sexuality that that would legally be defined as pornography and hard hardcore pornography. Your children are being exposed to it now in the classroom through through like guest experts. Uh, they are being exposed to it via literature they receive, via uh, uh websites they're given and that that are are promoted under the guise of mere quote sex education and but in under the guise of mere sex education you know you just move the uh, the cursor on your computer and you click a link and the link will take you directly to a hardcore triple x rated video that not only promotes but features every form of sexuality including every, every form of um, sexuality that would be deemed pornographic, illegal, immoral, and uh, would normally be called criminal to expose a child to that. And I'm not going to even list the names of the type of sexual activity that is being promoted and sold and persuaded to your children through videos and audios and literature and pictures and live demonstrations. Now, I recognize that the minute I say this, there's a massive number of people, even in this audience of the Paul McGuire Report, the minute you hear somebody like me say that, you say, oh, this can't be. He's exaggerating. I went to my school, and my teacher assured me that this was not going on. And there will be certain numbers of people who, who happen to be uh, teachers by profession in the in the grades that i um mentioned and and uh, as teachers you've been asked that question or you've asked it yourself regarding the uh, exposure of hardcore pornographic triple x rated sexuality of every every deviant imagination and you say as a teacher you 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 will say that i've never seen that and i want to say something to you either i'm a fool of unbelievable proportions and incredibly naive and incredibly irresponsible and and i'm just making this stuff up that's one choice you can do with what what i'm presenting to you or i really do know what i'm talking about and most likely i've read studied seen unfortunately documentation pictures and everything else and testimonies and parental accounts and and uh, the accounts of children that are old enough to be reliable and, and what they're reporting, and I cannot tell you this except to say that I've talked to a disturbing number of teachers that will, in a sense, swear in the Bible that that is not going on and is not going in their school, and and I will give them this to their knowledge, which is deliberately the not their knowledge has deliberately been confined and restricted. So to their knowledge, which is not accurate knowledge, it's not going on. But factually, you go to Dr. James Dobson's website, Focus on the Family, respected Christian leader who has spoken out on this issue for decades. And you can use that as a filter, but you better, have, you better be prepared um, for what you will see. So this is going on now. Our children are being exposed to this. And the worst of all of it is that there is a specific hidden agenda for the exposure that I am well aware of because this exposure would, was designed by men that, that influenced my life uh, when I was in third grade. The Huxley brothers, Alice Huxley, Brave New World, Julian Huxley, the father of uh, transhumanism, Julian Huxley, also one of the founders of the United Nations branch called UNESCO when the united nations was first created in 1948 it wanted a global educational system developed that that would include the united nations developing the curriculum and the educational standards and the educational content and the educational philosophy for every nation on planet earth including yes including the united states of america so from that period on um Julian Huxley was one of the first, if not the first, leader of UNESCO, and he is the father of transhumanism, the, the, the belief that we can become God by technology. But UNESCO also believes that the children of planet Earth should be indoctrinated, should be brainwashed, parentheses, educated, but they really mean brainwashed and indoctrinated, thoroughly in the viewpoint of the globalist elite or the Luciferian elite. And as far back as 1948, they developed a, a series of words to generally describe their global educational ambitions. And the name of the UNESCO project is and was called Common Core. Now, most of you probably just heard about Common Core in the last 10 or 15 years. But they have been secretly, in a stealth-like manner, they have been secretly promoting the full agenda of Common Core UN UNESCO education since the very beginning of the United Nations and before. The early infusion of Common Core educational content Began as early as 1917 when one of the founders of the American, or one of the fathers of the American educational system, had just come back from the communist Soviet Union. Because in 1917, the communist revolution had occurred in Russia. And this man, was secretly financed to go to communist Russia and to learn from the communist Russian teachers or social engineers how it would be possible to transform the American educational system into a communist-style educational system. This was as far back as 1917. And so once he had learned the brainwashing methods and the goals of communism. And you have to remember that when you t- do a study of communism, which I talk about in my book, Power from On High, and you know what you're talking about, and you do a study on communism, you read that the number one goal of communism, or let's just say among the number three goals of communism, is the destruction. Number one is the destruction of Christianity. Number two is the destruction of the American family unit. And number three is the total destruction. Of uh, national sovereignty and the radical transformation, by any means necessary, of America into a full-blown communist state. So this began publicly in 1917. It it actually began in the 1800s, around the mid 1800s, and if you want documentation. Get my books Power from On High. Get my books uh, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, get my books, The Greatest Battle uh, for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. And you will see plainly listed in these books for you to review, you'll have hardcore evidence right for your eyes. You will see the the listed goals of the Communist Manifesto, what their their targets were by name. You will see um, that. The Communist Manifesto, which was the blueprint for the Communist Revolution, actually came about 50 years earlier through a secret, very powerful, satanic, occultic organization known as the Illuminati. And I I write down for you in these books the the bullet points, the goals of the Illuminati, and the Illuminati uh, essentially wrote down the blueprint for the Communist Manifesto. And so what the communist manifesto is is simply the same thing as the illuminati manifesto with with slightly slightly different wording here and there. So it has the same origination point. Now all of this is factual. All of this you could have you you could have known about all of this by doing a minimal amount of research into the Illuminati, into into communism, into the educational system. So there were plenty of people in America. There were a minority, definitely a minority. They were definitely represented the smaller percentage of the American people. But there were definitely enough people in America that knew the deadly future that the Illuminati had already planned for America and the deadly future that the communist revolution and communist Marxism has for America. And they also knew that communism, Marxism, uh, the global reset, and um, uh, the plans of the Illuminati, they all go hand in hand, because behind the scenes, they all feed off one super secret organization. It's like one giant octopus head at the very top, and the technicals of the octopus go down from the head and they wrap around the educational system, the entertainment system, the economic system, uh, the psychological system, and so on and so forth. Christians, I read Dr. Francis Schaeffer when I was still a radical in the counterculture, when I was active in anti-war demonstrations, while I was majoring in altered states of consciousness at the University of Missouri, when I was personally practicing the deep secrets of the New Age movement. When I experienced cosmic consciousness, astral projection. When I saw the great white light. When I hung out with Dr. T- Timothy Leary, the Harvard professor, LSD prophet. When I when I studied the writings and teachings of Dr. Richard Richard Alpert, uh, Dr. Timothy Leary's co professor at Harvard, and Dr. Richard Alpert went to uh, India and. Uh, Saw the great white light, and he became, via his books, like Be Here Now, a kind of guru for me. So I experienced many supernatural experiences, uh, and God supernaturally and miraculously, because I attended a Christian religious retreat in the middle of nowhere in the back roads of Missouri by the cornfields. And when I got there, it was some kind of denominational Christian retreat. My worst fears, my worst nightmares about what Christianity could have been or what Christianity really was, all materialized before my eyes. Because you see, as many of you know, in my whole uncensored story of how I came to Christ is in my book, Power From On High. As many of you know, I was raised in an atheistic, existentialist, secular humanist home that was deeply intellectual, intelligent, and demanded that I would think for myself and demanded that I would do my own homework, my own research, that I would think out of the box if necessary, because my parents hung out with influential people that thought outside of the box, and I was not trained in my hum- in my humanist secular humanist household, I was trained to pursue truth no no matter what, and so I was raised to hate Christianity as a, a religion of idiots. I'm not making this up. I was taught when I was a very young child that Christianity was a religion of idiots because, my parents taught me this, because Christians, they said, were anti-love, anti-joy, and anti-sex. And therefore, they were aberrational in their, in their mental development. So, you know, I was already loaded for bear when I, when I ran into all these born-again Christians at the University of Missouri. And then I get to this Christian religious retreat, and my God, it's like I took LSD, and I ended up in, in the Leave it to Beaver household. And some of you may remember Leave it to Beaver. And I will say this, even though it has nothing to do really with my story, but I tell the inside story in my book, Power from One High. Speaking of Leave it to Beaver and being unasked, oh, by the way, I flee from that religious retreat. And I, as I write in my book, The Miraculous Story, how I was supernaturally saved, hitchhiking by two different drivers in like a field of dreams experience in the back roads of Missouri. I had a supernatural experience with Jesus Christ, which changed my life forever. And this happened. Think of God's sense of humor. This happened not because I went to a Christian religious retreat. It happened because I was fleeing from a Christian religious retreat, because all I saw was stupidity and nonsense and nonsense and gibberish and and, and and complete wacko time. I'm not making this stuff up. Who could make this stuff up? You couldn't possibly. This is such a weird testimony that I, the reason you know it's true is it, is it couldn't be possible that any human being could have been saved in the backwards manner I was. I got saved upside down, backwards and inside out on the back roads of Missouri. Now, just a flashback to, to, to uh, uh, Cleaver. Who was played by the childhood actor at that time, Jerry Mathers? He was Beaver in Leave It to Beaver. Of all places, my I'm a producer, and my wife is an actress. And in another state, we got an invitation for her to perform at a at a, a a very nice large dinner theater, where she would be in a play, and the she was the star of the play. But the co-star, or I should say the the main star, was Jerry Mathers, who played be, Beaver from Leave It to Beaver. So during this summer season, when she was in this play, this dinner theater play, Jerry Mathers now was, you know, a lot older, and you know, my wife and I weren't little kids watching the Leave It to Beaver show, but we became very good personal friends with Jerry Mather, the actor who who played the Leave It to Beaver. And here's the irony of all ironies: I mean, we we we, we hung out with him because he had he had no friends. We had we didn't know anybody really in this particular city. He didn't know anybody, so we all hung out together. <clears throat> and, you know, once I earned his respect as a credible person, I waited, of course, on the Lord's timing, because I have a kind of a rule. Unless I feel the Lord leading me to share my testimony, um, I try to use wisdom when I share my testimony. And so when I felt the prodding of the Holy Spirit, and I felt like I had earned the right to to be a credible person. I shared with him a shortened version of my testimony, <clears throat> but I told him how my life was changed when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, isn't that weird? I don't know if Jerry Mathers is still alive or not, <clears throat> but if he's not alive by any chance, he is uh, going to be in heaven. I, I know that because I had the privilege of, of leading him to Christ. So in any case, I was fleeing from this Christian religious retreat, and it goes on from there, but I tell it in the book, Power From My Eye. But the point was, it's not an accident how I got saved. It's like it's not an accident how you got saved. You see, God knew me before the beginning of the world and chose me to be here for such a time as this. So God deliberately allowed me to be raised in an atheistic, secular, humanist, intelligent, creative household where I was taught to hate Christians. God deliberately allowed me to go through that. So I would be ready, even at the youngest ages, for what was to come. And what was to come was, bam, in third grade, I had read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, and it, like, blew my mind, okay? Because I could see that it was a roadmap into the future of America and the world. I had no idea what a role this dark thinker Aldous Huxley would play in my life. And so, because I was raised in a household where you weren't allowed to, you know, fake it until you make it, even though there's, that's a partial truth, but not a, not 100% true, um, even though I, I was in rebellion and hated Christianity, God used all of that as the substance to form my personality, and th- God, because of his divine call upon my life, um before I was aware that God even had a call on my life, before that I was aware that Jesus Christ was Lord, before all of that, God was busily arranging and orchestrating all kinds of random circumstances in my life so that I would be equipped to fulfill my mission and assignment on earth, just like he is doing in your life right now, if you will let him. And I don't give me the excuse of age. I don't care how young or how old you are. God has formed you to be alive for such a time as this. And that just didn't occur uh, in the time period, you know, when you got saved. That time period, if you want to know when, God, when God's plan for your life is over, it's when God takes you home. And I'm not talking about if you get prematurely taken home, okay? I'm talking about if God allows you to be taken home, okay, in death then this scripture verse becomes a reality. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you'll know your assignment on Mission Earth is over when you're absent from the body, when your spirit man is born again by salvation through Christ, by faith, when your spirit man is born again, and at that nanosecond, you're absent from your body and you're present with the Lord. Well, where is the Lord at the time of your death? The Lord is going to be in one of two places. He'll be on earth, ruling and reigning, planet earth for the 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ, or the Lord is going to be in heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and he's getting ready to rise from his throne. Now, please pay attention to, this, to, to the numerical sequences of what I'm sharing right now to you. The numerical sequences that I'm sharing to you right now are are essential. It's essential that you own this truth, not that you just do a drive-by past the truth. You've got to own this truth. When you own this truth, the Lord will give you revelation. How do you own something? Really simple. You own something by paying the purchase price, unless somebody gives it to you for free. You own something by paying the purchase price, or unless somebody gives it to you free, and that gives you the legal right to acquire or own something. Now, thank God that the true God, the biblical God, he will give to you eternal salvation for all eternity. He will give it to you for absolutely free. He will pay the full price for your salvation. He has already paid for the full price for your salvation when he died on a throne, when he died on a cross uh, crucified by the Romans. When he died on the cross, he paid the full price, he paid the full penalty for your sins. And so the blood of Jesus Christ made it possible for Jesus to die a substitutionary death in full payment for your sins. So the blood of Jesus Christ, which was spilt by Jesus when he died upon the cross, it was the blood of Jesus that God the Father accepted as a transaction of monetary exchange. The blood of Jesus is accepted in the courtroom of heaven by the ultimate Supreme Court judge, because there's really only one Supreme Court in in the truest definition of the word. In the truest definition of the word, the ultimate Supreme Court and the ultimate judge in the Supreme Court of the entire universe and all that has been created, past, present, and future, is God the Father, okay? And so your sins have been paid for. The moment you put your faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you, the moment you put your faith in that what Jesus has done for you. The moment you put your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses you of all of your sins, that means that all of your sins, at the moment you put your faith in the fact that Christ died for your sins, when you accept that and confess that Jesus is Lord, at that nanosecond, your salvation has been purchased by Jesus Christ and his blood by your faith. In other words, it's all been done but the transaction, whether you want to call it digital, electronic, or multi-dimensional, the transaction goes through, and instead of getting a statement sent to your computer, which says you got X amount of dollars in the bank and you owe X amount of dollars left in a loan or whatever, instead of reading all that nonsense, you get a printout from the throne room of God, and God sends you a balance sheet. And if you look at the balance sheet, it says pay in full. And it has your name, and then it says, paid in full, all of the sins, past, present, and future. And then your name is written there. So your sins are paid past, present, and they're paid in full, past, present, and future. And then your name, and the fact that that all of your sins have been already paid for, because you put your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, and received Christ, and you were born again. At that moment, all of your sins were paid for, and so this balance sheet comes from another dimension saying, your sins have been paid in full by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are certifiably born again, and amount due, zero. Amount owed, zero. Penalty, zero. Any interest rate on the sins, zero. It's been paid in full. You ought to jump up and down. I don't care if they call you a lunatic now. If I was in a restaurant, they can call me crazy. They can call me the ever, whatever blanking name they want to call me. But if I was in a restaurant right now, I would get up and do a short little dance, and I think I'd shout hallelujah just to get on some people's nerves because they're so, they're so embarrassed about Jesus. Well, I'll tell you something. I'm not embarrassed about Jesus. I'm, I'm so jolted on Jesus that, that I could do a little dance in a restaurant and shout hallelujah. Somebody asks, why are you saying hallelujah? I would literally shout because I'm in like the zone right now. I would literally, 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 I can't even speak. I would literally shout because my sins have been paid, have been paid in full by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm guaranteed entrance into heaven. And then I would say to the person who asked me the question, I'd look them in the eyes with a big smile on my face, not of condemnation, but of total acceptance. And I would say to them, him or her, I would say, Would you like to have all your sins, past, present, and future, paid for by Jesus Christ? And before they could even answer, I would say, um, because, you know, the Bible says you can't get into heaven. If if there's any sin in your life, past, present, and future, it's got to be paid for. Now, you don't want to have to pay for it because it's very expensive. So would you like to receive eternal life right now and have all your sins paid for in full? Now, the key thing is that I obeyed what the Lord told me to do. The results are up to him, but I'll tell you what—not I can't say a hundred percent of the time, but the overwhelming majority of the time, where I have dared to step out and walk underwater water and do something crazy like that, the majority of the time, the person has accepted the Lord. I remember this was—I don't know—a while ago, but but I just walked up to a guy in the middle of the Trader Joe's. You know, it's like a like a supermarket with like health type foods or healthier foods or whatever. And, you know, they have a free coffee thing, so that, that got my attention. So I walked up to get my free mini cup of coffee. And uh, and uh, this guy was standing there getting his mini cup of uh, free coffee. And I'd say he was at least 25 years younger than me, okay? But for some reason, we, we instantly connected and had a rapport. And then as we were talking, he shared with me the fact that he used to be one of the biggest drug dealers, and I forgot what drug it was. it was it was either meth or heroin or coke or something. It was one of those three. So he shared with me that he used to be one of the biggest let's say meth dealers uh, in Southern California. Now, I have never I have learned over the years never to be fooled by a person's appearance when they make some an outrageous claim like that, because usually the more outrageous the claim is the more ordinary and, and and non-self-directing their their dress and the way they carry themselves are. They, they usually are the person that you would last think would have been the biggest drug dealer of this particular drug in the state of California. So we began to talk, and then all of a sudden, in my spirit, the Lord spoke to me through his still, small voice, and I had an urgency for him where the Lord said to me, the Lord gave me a very strong sense that I needed to lead him to Jesus Christ, and that the Lord reminded me that that our little conversation here in the store was not an accident; that God had divinely arranged it, and I had a very strong sense that that His time was running out on Earth. So, I gave a brief introductory statement to him, told him I was a minister, um, and then. I, I said, I want to pray for you, and, and, and I also said that I, I want to pray for you, and I, I want to talk to him about getting to heaven. I going to pray a prayer with you uh, to make sure you get to heaven, and he was willing to do that. But I knew I didn't want to cause a disruption. It had nothing to do with embarrassment, but I knew it would have created a scene, especially if I had taken authority over a demon or something in the middle of Trader Joe's. It just would not have played well. I mean, it just would have been—it got in the way of the ministry. So so, I said, "Look, I'll meet you outside." And I pointed from inside the store through the windows. I pointed to an area which looked like it was an area that offered us a, a, a limited amount of seclusion and privacy, so I could pray for him and with him in a, in a uh, uh, non conspicuous manner. So so so, uh, I think I went out first, and I told him to come you know, like a minute after I did. So I went out first made it right when I got to the to the front door, and he could see where I was standing, which was somewhat hidden from, from the, the, the traffic of people going in and out of the store. So then he meets me over there. And we're looking eye to eye in this kind of hidden area in front of Trader Joe's. And then I get down to business, and essentially I, I told him that he needs to be saved. Uh, he needs to have his sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus if he wants to go to heaven. And then I promised him that if he will pray this prayer with me, and if he really means it, that God will honor his prayer, and that I could guarantee him that if he was sincere in praying the prayer, and he meant it, I could guarantee him entrance into heaven for all eternity. And so I asked him to repeat this prayer after me, and I'll just give you a short version. I, I, you know, began by praising the Lord, and then I said out loud, and then I would wait for him to repeat what I said, because that's how I came to Christ. And I said, Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you now. He said it. Lord Jesus, um, I thank you for this opportunity, and Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to come into my life right now, and I ask you now, Jesus, to make me born again. So I thank you, Lord, for coming into my heart right now through your Holy Spirit, and I thank you right now for making me born again. I thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. I thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing me of all sin. And I thank you that you have just saved me right now through the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of my testimony. I thank you, Jesus, that you are Lord. And I thank you that I'm saved. And I praise you, God, that you love me enough to arrange this a divine appointment at this moment for saving me. Now, Lord, I commit the rest of my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And this is, you know, the the ministry of the Paul McGuire Report, Paradise Mountain Church International. You know, the ministry is not X amount of hours a day. The ministry is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's whenever, I mean, obviously, I adhere to disciplines and structures and commitments and goals and assignments and organizational things, obviously. But when God moves and God will almost always move. God may surprise us when he commands us to to, to to get into action. He may surprise us, but most often God moves in concert with or in synchronization with. It won't end up with you getting fired from the job because you thought you heard God tell you to go into boardroom or the lunchroom of where you work, and you decided to stand on a chair and preach a sermon on how to be born again, and you were absolutely convinced that the Lord is telling you to do this for some reason. Now, now, generally speaking, generally speaking, most of the time, that is not the Lord. Okay? It's usually the result of a lack of maturity in walking with the Lord, and more than that, a lack of maturity in knowing the difference between discerning the voice of the Lord speaking to you versus understanding that what is speaking to you is your own imagination and possibly your own vain imagination. Okay? Because God is not interested in putting you in an awkward position where the, the norms of society, not, not that the norms of society are our life, they're not, but the God is not interested in putting you in a position where the norms of society are going to be hit to the intensity that you do something that is perceived as That is perceived by non-believers as if you were a religious fanatic or a religious nut, and you end up getting fired. So then you have to go home to your wife or whatever, and you lost your job, and you can't pay the rent, and you can't buy groceries. This is not the plan of God most of the time, like 99% of the time. So that's just a cautionary word. Okay, that I felt led to share. But I also want to get into, and I'll begin it today, and I'll pick it up most likely tomorrow. I want to talk about the need for acquiring sophisticated, highly developed, and cutting-edge knowledge of what technologies, what sciences, what mindsets, uh, what geopolitical maneuvers are radically impacting your world right now and hitting you with a full-force intensity that can be only equated to the intensity of getting hit with a missile or something. That is an accurate symbolic description of the level of spiritual attack that many Christians, the ones that are attempting to walk with Jesus, the Christians that are attempting to walk with Jesus are experiencing a level of attack in the spiritual realm or in terms of spiritual warfare that literally could be described as with the intensity of being hit by a a missile or some very powerful weapon. So to not understand that you now, you don't live in the America you lived in five years ago, you don't live in the America that you lived in 10 years ago, and you can go back further and, and amplify the, the, the changes. It, it is absolutely essential That every person who claims to be a Christian, in the true sense of the word, it is absolutely essential that you present your mind to the Lord and ask for the the mind of Christ to be activated. It is absolutely essential that you come to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to uh, remove any mind control, any brainwashing, the negative effects of any technological stealth attack or psychological social engineering attack, you've got to understand that the way that you're going to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish is the following. Number one is, you have to, in all areas of life, you have to radically step up your game. The old way of playing the game is over. If you keep operating on, on a past tense perception of reality and a past tense perception. Of, of of how to play the game. If you keep operating in that zone, you are going to crash and burn. Your family and loved ones, your children and grandchildren, are going to crash and burn. You are going to be taken out one way or the other. Most likely, and probably, the higher percentile of people that are taken out will be taken out in in, in terms of their consciousness being dulled down, and and because they are because they have given in to their consciousness being dulled down through subversive technologies and techniques, and because they have never perceived it before, they have never been, as the Bible says, be sober, be on the alert, for your adversary the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If you're not living in that alert zone, then you are going to, by default, enter the zone of of a super dullness, of a, 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 a retro perception, where you're getting dumber and dumber, and your ability to perceive or step up your game diminishes and diminishes faster and faster. If you look or interact with so-called ordinary average people, including those that call themselves Christians and go to churches, if you interact with people in just about any sector of life in America, what you will discover is that look at their eye, what's in their eyes, Look at the way they carry themselves physiologically. Look at their um, their physical presentation, their mental presentation. Look at the content of uh, things that they feel like bringing up in polite conversation, and pay attention to the, those things that you might bring up that are totally a hundred percent true. but their reaction is to is to become very uncomfortable if you even allude to, or they think you're alluding to, uh, all of these areas that have just recently in the last year become non-politically er- non politically correct areas of discussion, tap- the new taboo areas of discussion. And what you will observe if you are still capable of implementing your cognitive abilities, your thinking abilities, what you will discover is it's kind of like you grew up I'm not talking about getting old. You grew up and matured. And so your perceptions, the way you handle yourself, your decision-making capabilities, your understanding, that has all matured along with you growing up. It has matured, and you have uh, become more sophisticated, more adult in, in all areas. Now, as you're talking to them, it dawns upon you, if your eyes wide open, it dawns upon you that... They, in contrast with you, have not grown up. They have, like, stagnated intellectually. Their perceptions have stagnated. Their beliefs and viewpoints have stagnated. They can't seem to perceive the obvious that is all around them, and yet it is blatantly obvious that the obvious is all around them. In fact, the obvious is now so obvious it's lit up, and and you'd have to say there's something neurologically wrong with somebody who can't see the obvious when it's so obvious it's lit up. That's not complicated. That's a slam dunk. Okay, so here's the deal. What has happened is you did not give your mind in, you did not give your mind over to the invisible agencies of persuasion, of social engineering, of media manipulation of media educational governmental programming while they just kept giving over the territory of their mind their spirit and their and their individuality every time they were confronted with a choice which way to go the person you were talking to chose to go down the path of what they believed was the path of least resistance so they made a decision with their will moment by moment, to continually give up the psychological territory, the psychological uh, integrity of their minds, of their maturity, of their belief systems. Whenever society said, you need to do it this way, you need to believe things this way, you need to go along with this plan, whenever that happened, they made the choice to say yes to the invisible social pressures of society, because their highest goal from childhood, and they've been programmed this way, Their highest goal from childhood has always been to be accepted by the perceived leaders in their perceived social group, the people that they perceive to be like role models, the the people that they secretly, subconsciously seek to emulate. Their goal has always been to conform their behavior, their dress, their attitudes, their ideas, and their beliefs. Their goal has always been to conform to the consensus mind, to the hive mind, to the world brain. And the people who have the sophistication and the people who, who understand the science and the people who understand the technology, technologies of social engineering, persuasion, mind control, and, and things of that nature, they understand all of the individual operational principles by which it is possible to radically transform any set individual into an entirely new set of belief systems, ideas, and perceptions that are dictated to them by the subconsciously elevated peer group or invisibly uh, indoctrinated into accepting whatever they perceive the new normal is because that's what they're doing is they're like little children. They're like little children going to school. They see that there's the in crowd, the, pe- the people that look the cool and the hippest because they dress, talk, act, and behave a certain way. And so because they have no sense of worthiness in and of themselves as an individual, they desperately will self-censor and self-modify themselves so that they conform to the collective identity that is being sold to the mass consciousness as the collective identity that those that are really in the inner circle, those that have power, those that really have knowledge, they're operating from this place, this place being a set of standardized beliefs. And so that high level of sophistication and, and uh, uh, personality manipulation is part of a sophisticated science of behavioral Changes that also work in tandem with a sophisticated arsenal of uh, behavioral dynamics that show up in behaviors, new ideas, new normals, etc. etc. Now, let's just flash back and then flash forward. I would imagine that anybody who's older than, I don't know, 20 years old, maybe a little bit older, none of you. Would have ever thought we would come to the to the time in our nation, America, where things that used to be considered unthinkable, things that used to be considered abnormal, are now they now constitute what is artificially labeled the new normal. And I'm talking about radical behavioral changes in beliefs, such as the 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 promoted desirability the socially engineered desirability of boys and girls at very young ages seeking to go to a counselor or somebody in the educational system or some other group of that nature, that they, that they voluntarily will go to these people and they will, without their parents' knowledge, They will request further counseling, and then they will request that funds be provided so that their physical bodies can be altered biologically. And they can be, after going through surgery and other biological, medical, and hormonal procedures, they can transition from um, being a male into a female or a female becoming a male. this is their, in most states, I understand it, is their legal right to do so. Now, that is, in terms of previous history, since the beginning of man, that is a new normal that has never existed before. Because any way you analyze it, and I'm not analyzing this at the moment from your traditional moral perspective, I'm analyzing it from a scientific, psychological, and biological perspective. When a person submits to that kind of invasive surgery invasive use of hormones and other drugs that results in an actual biological transformation of the core of their sexual identity as evidenced by their physical anatomy you're talking about making a a choice in which there at present there's no way of going back you can't undo what you've done And it is conceivable that you may want to change what you've done in the future, like 10 years down the road or whatever. At the present time, there is no surgical ability to reverse the transformation back to the original biological state that a person was born into. This is just one, just one little category of absolutely Radical, revolutionary, socially engineered, intentional transformations that are occurring right now at this moment, but listen, you've got to wake up. it is not going to stay st- stagnant at at this moment. It is going to continue, and unless there is uh, intelligent options, intelligent choices, intelligent rationale presented, which currently there is not because it's censored, you're going to end up. With people who, a certain percentage of them, potentially will be highly dissatisfied with the choice that they make. They will not be able to undo it on a biological level. And that will result in a psychological suffering and a, a psychological traumatization that is beyond, it is beyond anything you could imagine. Because if you truly do change your mind, you are trapped. In a, in a hellish existence, you're imprisoned in a hellish existence in which you can't undo the choice you make. Now that's not just the entire spectrum of revolutionary choices. This is happening in every nano sector of society, including this high-speed movement into a transhumanist world. Wait till the sciences and engineering of transhumanism, which is already. Workable, which is already doable. Wait till it is brought out into the public light. Wait until it is brought out into the into the public, so that everybody can see for the first time in their lives what they have been doing for perhaps decades when it comes to the most radical forms of transhumanist science and transhumanist experimentation. There are scientific experiments that are being conducted now that are beyond the ability of perhaps 99% of the American people to even remotely conceive of. And it's worse than any horror movie you could possibly imagine. Now, don't think that a society can collectively agree to go insane, to go berserk. Don't think for a moment that you can take such actions collectively, among millions of people, don't think for a moment that your future is going to be safe, secure, normal in any sense of the word. Your future is going to be so radically re-engineered because of transhumanist philosophies and transhumanist sciences that, that there is no way in the present tense that most people can even wrap their minds around what is coming in terms of DNA modification, genetic modification, the mixture the the mixture of two entirely different species like human and pig, human and dog, hybrid births of human-dog DNA, you think, oh, that's crazy. No, it's happened already. It's happened already. It isn't going to happen. It's happened already. They're just not showing you the pictures because they know if you saw the pictures, you would go probably insane or there might be a social revolution. So you need to wake up. This is, this is not about you. This is about everybody you know, everybody you ever loved and cared for, people in your family, people outside of the family, about every soul that God destined to be saved, where they're going to do everything in their power to make it illegal for them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is, that is what this is all about. It's the big picture. So it's one thing to be selfish, and it's one thing to be selfish about your small world. But it's entirely a completely different thing to be selfish, not only about your small little world, but it's an entirely different thing for you to be selfish about everybody who is in the big world. Because the level of tragedy, the level of horror, the level of destruction, the level of cruelty that will unroll from these collective decisions is, is not something in the future. It is something that has already happened. It just hasn't been, it's shown up in the light yet. So our responsibility is to take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out, call on the name of Jesus, and ask God to give us wisdom, and then step by step, incrementally, with God's intelligence, with common sense, with wisdom, moment by moment, relying on the supernatural power of God, the dunamis, We can, in the face of apocalyptic circumstances, we can, in the face of those circumstances, stand down the devil and drive him back into the lake of fire where he belongs. And that is the heartbeat of this ministry. If you believe that, if that heartbeat surges through your veins, then I ask you to join with me and give your financial donations and your contributions as radically as the Lord leads you to do it. Obey God in whatever He tells you to do, and stand with us in spiritual warfare. Stand with us in spreading the Word and the links and signing up for our social media. And most of all, as a brother and sister in the supernatural body of Christ, choose to stand with us as we endeavor to be faithful on every spiritual battlefield that we've been called to in this last day's ministry. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us.